Hello everyone. Have you ever wondered about working in a school? Have you ever thought about being a teacher or in any aspect of education, quite frankly? Today we're gonna to talk to Sarah Grantano. She's our Assistant Superintendent of Special Education. We're gonna talk about hard to fill positions and we're gonna talk about opportunities here at the County Office of Education, specifically in education. So if you've ever thought about being a paraprofessional, if you've ever thought about being a teacher, even an administrator, I invite you to stick around. Sarah Grantano, great to have you back. Thank you. All right, this is part two, special education. Last time you were here, we talked about special education programs. Uh, we talked about um, autism. We talked about parent advocacy in our programs as well. So I was thinking this time, let's talk a little bit about hard to fill positions because I think a lot of folks have probably heard the fact that there is a teacher shortage and this is something very real, but let's talk specifically about how that affects special education. So we take that responsibility very seriously and we wanna make sure that we find the best people to support our students and to support parents not only in our county, but to share our experiences around the state so that other people um, that are at county offices of ed or districts that are struggling with the same situation also learn from some of our experiences and how we've really been pioneering in that area of finding the best of the best mm -hmm. and not settling for candidates or for people that um, are just filling a position, but people that want the opportunity to work with students and actually fulfill a, a really great dream of theirs to make a difference in their life's work. And sometimes it's a starting position and sometimes it's an area where they grow and become um, at a, a teacher for us, starting maybe at an entry-level position and have worked their way through and we've capitalized on a lot of those opportunities, making really great experiences mm -hmm. for our families. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want to come back to that, the whole idea of you know some of these entry-level positions in special ed, because I think that that's really interesting. Um, and I think there may be a certain um, segment of the population out there that would be like, huh, like what does that even look like? And maybe I'm interested in doing that. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about hard to fill positions, like specifically, because I want to talk about some examples. I think people would be familiar with the fact that, well, you know, finding in a general ed population, let's say, uh, finding math teachers or science teachers is really hard and you know, it's just not enough, right? And you want high quality folks. Translate that for me into special education. Like, what are, the, what are some of those positions that are, are difficult to fill? We have a lot of positions that are difficult to fill and require a lot of specialized training and skill. And that would be for our professionals that support students that are blind, mm -hmm. or our speech and language pathologists, our audiologists, and those kinds of positions that um, a lot of people don't even know that they're available or something that they could have a career in but they, um, they are a challenge to find. And so we connect with the universities and um, with people that have just recently come out of programs or in programs that are working for us to hire and recruit the best candidates for those positions. What about uh, deaf and hard of hearing? 
Is Definitely that hard one? of hearing is another one as well. Okay, because I know there seems to be a lot of people that um, even, you know, even students graduate from high school, maybe they're going into college or at MJC and they're really interested in taking American Sign Language, right, like ASL. Um, what would, tell me a little bit about that progression. Like if you were, if you were somebody who was interested in that, how, how would you go from like just learning kind of the basics of sign to actually working in a program? So we have an opportunity for paras that sign and we have postings to encourage paras that are signing as well. And then um, typically they'll progress. We'd love to have sign language interpreters. That's one of the hardest positions for us to fill and requires a lot of um, an assessment and a test that they need to pass to be able to be an interpreter. But then there are other career opportunities as well. We have deaf and hard of hearing specialists that work in the field all around the county in general ed settings that are delivering service to students that are fully integrated into general education. We have preschool special day classes that vary in their service delivery for students that are deaf or hard of hearing. And then we also run the school age program as well, a special day class. Mm -hmm. I remember being a principal, and uh, and we had a DHH student, and there was a full-time one-on-one para, and she would just follow this young lady around, and they would go to all of their classes together, and she was just translating. Um, but even more than just the the services that are being provided, it was just really that that relationship that was just so obvious, right? And that was that, for me. I, I still remember that, and this is 15 years ago. I still remember that. So it's just um, if anybody out there is kind of thinking about that, um, it, I think it would be extremely interesting I, and rewarding mm. because you're allowing the opportunity to have full access to the conversations that are being held or to include a student that doesn't have the ability to hear the conversations around them or the directions from their teacher and they can fully participate and belong mm -hmm. to the school that they should typically go to. Right. Let's talk a little bit about entry-level positions, but I think before we kind of jump off into that, because we're going to talk about paraprofessionals, Give people an idea of just our program here at the County Office of Education about how many paras uh, do we employ? So in the special ed division, we have about 550 employees and about 300 of those are para educators. Mm -hmm. They are the backbone of what we do and they do a really great job at integrating students into general education environments and supporting their behavior needs and supporting their goal work for their IEPs. And um, it looks a little different depending on what program they're in, but it is a really rewarding job. Some people that have, we talked about the entry level and, mm -hmm. and kind of finding their way, and then some paras that have stayed their whole careers because this is their calling and what they want to do to provide supports to students that is direct and very impactful. What would be required of someone if they were interested in becoming a para? 
So it could be um, a person that has experience in the volunteering or at their church and has had experience with students and they forget to put that on their application. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they get screened out because they don't realize it doesn't have to be an actual paid job, but it has to have be somebody that has had experience with children and right. knows what they're kind of getting into. Right. And then sometimes um, through that process, they have experience with one particular age group and we might place them in a program that supports that age group. And they say, you know, I'd really love to work with preschool age students. I didn't know that SCO provides a service for children in preschool age uh, that I could support. And they get excited about that and, and might take a, a change of experience in that area. And so there's a lot of opportunities for paras to find their way based on experience or what their passion is. Talk a little bit about the different age groups because I don't think someone who may be interested in becoming a paraprofessional, I don't think they understand like the gamut of what we're talking about, right? Yeah. So we have a program that supports birth to three and we do have paras that go into the homes and they share with the parents how to support their child so that it's not just a teacher taking their, their child um, to another place and working with them and making them better. It's the action of helping the parent to be fully involved and engaged in the learning and growth of their child. And so it's really teaching the parent how to do that. And the paras also will accompany our teachers um, and will provide some support with materials and supplies, delivering stuff to homes. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And then we also have preschool. And um, that is one of our largest groups, our biggest population of um, students and need for the county office in filling those positions because we have uh, bigger numbers in preschool, which is really cool because that also means that we're intervening early enough that as they progress in their education, they are going out into their general education settings or transitioning into a program that might be less restrictive. And then we have programs that serve students all the way to age 22. So even after their 12th grade graduation, mm -hmm. um, high school graduation ceremony that we definitely celebrate, we also have a transition program for students that are 18 to 22. So birth to 22 is our age range and we have a lot of different programs in special ed that provide that support for whatever their needs are. Right, so hence, that's why we need 300 plus paraprofessionals, yes. right, with, within all of our programs. How do we go about ensuring that we have 300 paras at any given time um, working in our programs? So we are always recruiting and trying to find great matches for our programs. And then we've also started some para-educator fairs and the focus is actually just to hire para-educators. And this last para-educator fair that we held had more than 45 vacant positions for para-educators. And that's typically how things go. We try not to fill the positions as much as possible at the end of the year because um, it's easier when a para comes in at the beginning or the middle of the year. And we had some retirements and had some, had some paras that moved into teacher positions. Mm -hmm. 
um, that had been um, kind of their career goals. And so we had these positions to fill and held a para fair and had over 80 people that attended. And um, many of them, almost all of them, received an interview and we had four panels going and we did our very best to try to make the best recommendations for our programs. And we recommended 42 para positions to fill those vacancies. But what was really amazing about that is we had fingerprints um, that we did on site so they didn't have to go and do an extra an extra step, another appointment to make um, in their hiring process. And then we also processed a lot of subs. So many of the paraeducators that came in and they were interested in a para position, we didn't feel like they had enough experience or they needed a little bit more, then we offered them a sub opportunity, um, which are also very valuable and, and important in our programs as well. Right, so really facilitating that whole process. And hopefully, um, while we've been talking, um, the folks have been able to see some of the, the photos and maybe a little video clip of the parafair mm -hmm. itself mm -hmm. so they can have a better feel of kind of what these events look like. And uh, the whole idea of obviously employing, you know, so many paras. And then, yes, I mean, obviously we need substitute paras as well. You mentioned earlier that you had some paras that became teachers. So talk a little bit about that. Is that something that you see frequently? We see it very often. So, and, and most often it's when they aren't expecting it. They're like, oh, I'll be a para while I'm going to school or, um, you know, this would be a really good job and maybe um, towards a, a career that I'm not certain about yet. Mm -hmm. And they dive in and they're like, okay, this is, this is my thing and they continue on through school. There's a lot of opportunities and, um, and the way that we are able to provide that support for our paras is really incredible. And so they can go to school while they are um, paras. And then typically we have some staff that have um, become a behavior support program assistant, mm -hmm. which is typically a para that has a little more experience and a lot of knowledge and providing support on the fly or in, an, in a situation where a student has a need. And also then it builds another opportunity for them to have success and to bridge into their career goal of becoming a teacher for us. And sometimes it's they're subbing and they're kind of in other classrooms, kind of getting an idea mm -hmm. of where they might want to land in our programs mm -hmm. because you mentioned DHH. We also have students that have emotional disturbance that we provide services for, and that is an opportunity with clinicians in the classroom and board-certified behavior analysts, and they all work together. So when they see these things, they might be interested in being a teacher or a board-certified behavior analyst or a clinician in our classrooms because they know that that support works and they know that their work in their life is going to be meaningful. and. Um, provide a lot of joy for them. Right, so really the important thing is just kind of getting in, getting started, and then just being exposed to all the, all the different mm -hmm. positions um, that, that are potentially available. Mm -hmm. So that's fantastic. So what about, because we also have administrators, I mean, so do we ever see that progression? Okay, well I started out as a para, and now I'm a teacher, and then now I'm actually, like, I'm, like, I'm an administrator now. 
Has that happened? Yes, it has. It has happened many times in our own division where we've had our administrators that started out as para subs, mm -hmm. became paras, um, provided some support in, in lots of varieties of settings, and then became teachers, program specialists, and now principals and administrators in our program. And they can do all of this locally. So, I mean, either through, you know, like our own local community college like MJC or CSU Stanislaus, they provide these types of programs so people could technically live, work yes. locally, kind of fit this stuff in, and then you, you, see, the, you see the progression, right? There are also some um, programs that really focus on um, night education. So some of our paras will work their six hour, six and a half hour day, and then they will work on their credential mm -hmm. or their bachelor's degree, wherever they are in their progress of their education and um, will have those classes at night. Um, a lot of flexibility and a lot of opportunities in our county for sure. That's awesome. So, okay, just to kind of wrap up, if someone was inclined, right? They're were, they were interested now about, huh, now this whole pair of things got me thinking about um, just maybe what I wanna do next, right? Like, wh where would they look? Where would they go? So a lot of people don't realize that we post all of our jobs on EdJoin. Okay, so edjoin.org. So edjoin.org. Okay. And then we are also posting on Indeed a lot, especially mm -hmm. for our hard to fill positions. We wanna capture the audience that we can and make sure that we have a good pool because selecting the right candidates for a position is really the biggest responsibility that we have. We want to um, make sure that our families feel comfortable leaving their child with us in our care as we're providing their educational support and that's a big deal. Um, I've mentioned to you before that you know leaving a kindergartner for the first time at school is a hard thing to do for any parent mm -hmm, mm -hmm. mostly mm -hmm. um, I think <laughs> I'm believing um, but leaving a parent leaving a child at school for the first time in kindergarten can be um, a, a challenge to do and especially if they have special needs especially if they do not have words or a way to convey their own language or share about their day. So the families are really trusting us to select the perfect, the perfect professionals mm -hmm. to provide support for their child when they're in our care, making advances in their education and, and making a lot of growth. Mm -hmm. No, I agree 100%. Trust is such a huge, and, and rightly so, right? I mean, it's, it's probably the biggest issue, mm -hmm. you know, for parents when they are mm -hmm. um, entrusting, mm -hmm. you know, their children for the first time. Mm -hmm. So, Sarah, fantastic talking to you again. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.